Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe, and this month I have got a special guest in the studio that I'm going to inter- uh, introduce in a moment. First, though, Joe, uh, Coach Joe is out this week. We've had a busy, busy spring, so he's busy covering some teams. But we had a guest in town, uh, former Longhorn, stud, All-American, business lady, entrepreneurial, world changer, in my opinion, difference maker, uh, was in town. Uh, Our volleyball team was playing Athletes Unlimited for an exhibition match. So please welcome to the show, Molly McCage. Donnie, happy to be here. Thanks so much. So excited. Uh, You were open to doing this interview. And uh, again, the the difference you made at UT, not only in volleyball, but in our uh, sports department has been huge. To have you back has been surreal. So what's it been like uh, since you've been back to Austin so far? I mean, it's it's really special that the staff is all still here, right? Like to come home, it really feels right. like home because of you guys. And I mean, the team just won the national championship in this past season. So, you know, the team is obviously full of wonderful people and um, it's, it's it feels like home. It's good to be back. I know uh, the fans have appreciated it. I know the staff uh, has been excited to have you back. And I think the cool thing for me is just to see, uh, and we're going to get into this in a minute, just see what you've done since you left Texas in 2015 to where you're at now. And kind of, And I'm so excited just to see kind of where your career goes as a player and as a professional. So excited to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. A little bit about Molly, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of kick it to her for an introduction. Uh, Molly McCage, parents of Larry and Denise. If you've ever met her family, they are a tight knit family. Her dad is huge, right? How tall is your dad, Molly? <laughs> He's six nine. Six nine. You won't forget it. Your mom's a little. She's a little smaller though. She's but still the fiery one too of the family. But uh, Larry and Denise uh, has three brothers: Ryan, Nathan, and Colin. Two sisters: Miranda and Carly, who passed away. Right? Yes. So sorry. To, so sorry about that. Just a little bit more about Molly. Member of the USA national team in Anaheim, 2017 and 19 through 19. Played for. Say that for me, Molly. Allianz MTV Stuttgart in Germany. Right. Yeah. That, for a couple years there. Again, just some background on some of your work you've done. I love this. The marketing and communications coordinator, the ladder method for a short stint there in 2020. I didn't know this about you, director of volleyball operations at Pepperdine, 20 to 21 and 22, 10 months, I think it was. And then now, currently, you're the athlete's unlimited manager of player care and coordination. So a little bit about Molly. So Molly, with that, take a moment for our listeners, wrapping up your career at Texas to the path you've been on as an athlete professional up to today. Tell us what's been going on. Yeah, sure. So I finished my season in 2015, had a semester left, and graduated May of 2016. And I signed my first pro contract in V-Spot in Germany, which is right near Frankfurt. And I met my husband over there. We were both playing um, volleyball over there. And uh, I stayed there for three more years and absolutely loved my experience. I played with so many wonderful people. I had an American coach. I had a very smooth experience, which I don't think that everybody gets mm-hmm. when you, whenever you just jump into a new team, new culture overseas. And But life happened and I wanted to get married and move to California with my husband. And so 2019, I retired 
air quotes here, and moved to California with him and was really craving something different out of my career. Like, I, I just needed to develop other skills. I felt like volleyball is my passion and was my passion, but there was something in, missing in my career that I felt. So worked for a couple of startups and communications, and I got a message from Jordan Larson on the national team and was like, hey, would you play volleyball if we were here in the United States, professional volleyball? And I was like, that's not a thing, but yeah, that sounds like the best experience ever. And um, that was Athletes Unlimited. And so um, I joined Jordan Larson and Fluka Akinradwo at the time. She, had, she didn't end up playing because her Japanese season went long, but the three of us started to recruit other athletes in mm. 2020 and uh, 2021, we had our first season. And then through Jordan, I met David and um, worked at the University of Pepperdine as the director of volleyball operations after season one of Athletes Unlimited. And the cool thing about Athletes Unlimited, I've been involved in their player executive committee from the beginning. So I've been a player, but I've also been part of this group of five players that recruits other athletes. Mm. We meet with the staff weekly to discuss league decisions like uniforms or venue design or athlete experience, our pregnancy policy, like anything within the league, the staff runs it through us five players. And then we meet to discuss if that's in agreement with the rest of the, the volleyball group. And so being a part of that group, I think kind of made me super passionate about Athletes Unlimited. It's a very player-led league. It's a very different format. But then I, I found that joy and that passion with volleyball again. It was it was kind of tough playing overseas. You're away from home. You're away from family. And But I still love the sport and I still love the community. And so being back, I think the combination at, at Pepperdine, I had a wonderful mentor there, um, Marv Dunphy, and being around men's volleyball actually. There's so much joy still in that sport. Women's volleyball too, but men's volleyball is so much smaller and they have to, most of them pay their way and it's like yeah, right. they're just doing this because they love it. And that kind of ignited something in me of like, I I still need to play. Like there's still something in me that, you know, loves this community. And so um, I also love Athletes Unlimited and my coworkers and I joke, I'm like very AU. So I'm still part of the player executive committee. I'm actually its chair. Um, I signed for another season, and then I was hired full-time in February as the manager of player care and coordination. Man, that is, that's crazy and incredible. I think, you know, listen to that story, I'm curious, how did you get put on that executive committee? Who selected you? How did that happen? Is that like, I'd like to do that? Like, you've been groomed for that, obviously, but it's kind of crazy how it happened. Yeah. I think I signed really early. So that was right. one piece of it. And then they were like, hey, in softball, they had softball only at the time. They were like, in softball, we have this group. Would you like to be a part of it? And I was like, yes. Mm -hmm. You're asking me if I ever have any opinions to share them. I always have opinions. So I'm, <laughs> I am <laughs> right? definitely open to sharing them. <laughs> That's good stuff. So with kind of your role at Athletes Unlimited, you're obviously still playing and you're doing this. You know, this show we talk a lot about it just the team behind the team, like athlete care and support. You obviously have experienced that at Texas, being a professional athlete. You've seen that at a, at the national level. Now you're on a committee where you kind of probably help with some of that as well. From your perspective, how important is that today? And what have you seen that helps increase longevity and success in sport? Yeah, athlete care and athlete experience is incredibly important. The life of a of an athlete, collegiate and professional, it might actually be more difficult collegiately now with so many different factors that I didn't even have mm -hmm. in college. But 
The life of an athlete is very unique and very challenging. And so whatever we can do to like supplement that and make sure that morale is high, that these athletes feel taken care of, that these athletes feel like they can share their struggles with other athletes, because chances are like other athletes are going through that too. There's there's such a power in our network, but I feel like athletes and myself included struggle with like, yeah, you want to be the best. And so you don't want to share your struggles sometimes because you don't want to be perceived as weak. And so if we can create a culture, we obviously did this at Texas and we try to do it at Athletes Unlimited, but if we can create a culture that is, we can create conversations with other athletes about sharing our struggles or things in the world that are affecting us. If we can make sure that like, even if it's like we do, you know, team outings, you know, like any team does, you know, let's go get ice cream randomly or, hey, there's a local business that we want to support and let's get involved in our community together. That kind of camaraderie and network makes the athlete stronger. I think that there's so much power and connection that not all teams really tap into. Mm-hmm. So what if you're thinking of this for a moment, you're speaking directly to that performance team, maybe it's the athletic trainer or physio or Maybe it's somebody in mental health or sports psychology. What do you, from your experience as a high-level athlete, what do you look for in somebody like that that you're going to put around you to help you be successful? What are you looking for in those kind of... That is a good question. I... um so I'm, you know, professional now. I need to like hire these people sometimes for myself. And um, I was actually looking for a strength coach recently to kind of develop a plan for this tour. And volleyball is a very specific sport, and and I'm a specific position. And and then I wanted someone that like understood my mental path, right? Like what I was trying to achieve. And right. um, I think what I look for is is someone who's constantly curious, a learner, right? And learning about personalities or learning about their trade or even even other science that would coincide. Like you just, I gravitate towards the people that are trying to learn more about the entire space like yourself, Donnie. Yeah, I think that's so important because to your point right there, this game, and what I mean by game, just sports, is changing like so fast with technology, the awareness of mental health now that we're, we're seeing kind of come on board. And this diversity piece that's come on board over the last, what, two or three years, it's been really brought to awareness. Mm-hmm. So the game's changing. So you've got to be constantly like innovating and thinking of different ways to make it better and to tweak it. So there's got to be this curiosity and, and growth piece. So it's huge. Yeah. The other thing I've always admired and respected about you, Molly, that at Texas, you were a team captain and did an incredible job. You know, looking back, that was 2015, your senior year. That team, you guys uh, weren't really picked to do that great that year and you went to the national championship had a phenomenal year Uh, and again I attribute that to a lot of your leadership and your teammates Amy Neal Nicole Dalton Kat Brooks that class that came in that finished up and had such a great run look over your resume from a young age up to today leadership has kind of marked you and followed you through your whole life and career take a moment and talk about what is leadership to you and then How does leadership help build strong, successful team culture? So what is it, and how does that build a team culture strong? Yeah, leadership, I learned a lot from you, Donnie. One one thing that still sticks with me today is serving others. Like, you have to be, you have to show up for your team and make sure that they feel like you're taking care of them, whether that's Mm -hmm. weekly check-ins or compliments or things that you know that they know that you care And that piece, I think, is like the foundation. And then it's consistency. Nobody's going to look to a leader that's like hot and cold 
and you never know whenever they're going to, yeah. you know, explode or something. So I think that consistency piece and I think also admitting that I'm never going to be perfect and I'm going to have to lean on you guys just as much as you're leaning on me. Mm-hmm. Like there's still, I don't know. I think what was so great about that class is that like we really leaned on each other to get through a lot of stuff. Like we were really, really close um, through our four years at Texas um, and I think that there was something about that class that like found the joy in things. Like I, I thought, I honestly thought we were a hilarious group. And I think that if you can kind of keep things, I've always thought this, like playing a sport should be freeing. It should be fun. Like, that's why I came back. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. I'm missing that. Like being competitive is fun, right? Like going all out every single day, like and pushing some or pushing yourself to your absolute limit is so fun to me. And you really don't get that in any other setting besides sports. Right. right? And, um, I think that that kind of fun, joyful atmosphere attracts people and wants people to perform for you and like for the team and for our goals. And, um, that's something that's difficult to do because you have to earn that trust first. You can't just be a jokester from the beginning. You have to earn that trust. You have to have consistency. And then it's keeping things light. And I don't know, we always used to crack up during our strength training sessions. And that to me made me feel like a free bird. Like I could, I could do things, you know, outside the norm. If I, if I were all stressed all the time, I couldn't actually push myself, but I was in a free space. Yeah. I think, you know, some memories, Molly, that come to mind, just look as you're talking right there, reflecting back. I remember sitting, um, the season had ended, and of course we did not win that year, but still it was a phenomenal, successful year. Um, I remember all the staff going around, and you guys, I don't think you were anywhere. We were just kind of hanging out. And like, we don't, we were like, man, we don't want this season to end, you know? Because we just enjoyed working with you guys. It was like, it was a, it was a, seasons can be long, right? Um, but what can make them even longer is if you don't have the leadership or the team culture uh, that you guys had. And I think, again, a big piece of that, I'll never forget walking in the practice gym one day, and this was your senior year, and I knew that this, when I saw this, because I'd never really seen this up to this point uh, from you, you had called up the team. I don't know what was going on. I don't remember the, the, the scenario, but you'd called up the team. The coaches were standing on the side, and you were just meeting with the team. And just talking, and I think you were just kind of getting on them and saying, uh, hey, this is not our standard. I don't know what you said. You might have used some colorful language, I'm sure, (laughs) which sometimes can be very appropriate. Um, But I just remember that, like you said, everybody was bought in. There was a cohesion. And there was, to me, there's this piece of leadership, I think, sometimes that people ignore that you have. And this ability to be tough, but also to have a tender side. And I think sometimes uh, in sports, you can be so tough that it can be not abusive, but oppressive a little bit and kind of not approachable. So I think today the leadership you're seeing that people that's attractive is like you you're, you have high demands, high expectations, and but the culture is accepting, it's inclusive, and you love people. And so it's this kind of blend of these two paradox balance that you you guys did such a great job. And it doesn't surprise me that Athletes Unlimited has pulled you into this role because, again, you guys kind of led the team back then, and now you're helping lead this professional uh, organization. So kudos to you. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, yeah, lead with love. I, absolutely. That's something that you taught us. Got to. Um, kind of a transition here, a topic I always love uh, discussing. You've been a very successful 
female athlete on court. You have obviously now transferred that success into business off court. And you don't always see that. And a lot of athletes struggle with making that transition into the business world, right? Their identities in sport, in the game, they're on this platform, and now maybe they're not as successful or as popular or people are not cheering them on or celebrating them like they did. So what have you done to make that transition to so successful over the years coming out of college into the professional sports world? I will say that it hasn't been without struggle. There were definitely periods in my life, months even, that I was, you know, what do I do? How do I transition? How do I put a resume together? How do I make this sound, you know, authentic? And I don't want to lie on a resume. So, I, but I have these skills. And I knew I had these skills. I think the biggest thing, honestly, even now working at Athletes Unlimited, you can tell who was an athlete because of conflict resolution and stress management. Um, those are two things that really stick out to me. I think being an athlete, being a female athlete, there are some things that are thrown your way. Chaos always ensues and you have to have a level head and you have mm -hmm. to find a solution, um, especially in sporting events and Athletes Unlimited is a special one and things move really fast and um, you have to just find a solution, stick with that direction and then figure it out and trust your team, right? And and that's sports. Like that's what we did at Texas. That's what I did in Germany. And I think athletes forget that they have that innately, you know, and that's not something that comes to everybody. Um, I think what I found through volleyball is my voice and confidence. And I, I actually think a lot of women struggle with that. And sports helped me find that. There was always a space at Texas where it was like, it wasn't top down. It wasn't the coaches always telling us what to do. Jarrett was like, what do you think? You were like, hey, like, do you have anything to say to the team? And so slowly but surely, I gained my voice. And I think that that helps me a lot here at Athletes Unlimited. One, they, they give me the stage to speak and kudos to them. Not all organizations are that way. Um, but that helps me a ton in my career. I, I work with a lot of athletes and and for me, for them to see that, that I can speak my opinion, they also can. And it, it's just an encouragement throughout all female athletes within Athletes Unlimited of like, find your voice, absolutely use it. Most of the time you have better skills than the person next to you that didn't play sports. Right, so like right. you need to use them. No, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, I'm a parent as well of four girls and I've always told my wife that I want my kids in sport for everything you just said right there, the leadership, the team building, the be able to handle criticism, right? Conflict. Um, how do you become disciplined? How do you prioritize your time and what's important and what's not important? How do you, uh, how do you pick and build a team of friends that's going to be good influences what if you got a bad influence? Like, how do you kind of change and navigate some of that? So mm -hmm. that's always been something I've, I've felt that and from sports that people don't always see. Uh, that always, to your point, isn't always easy, right? It's not always the easiest thing to navigate and work through. But the benefits of that, if you can do that, are tremendous. So uh, would love to, one question I have, kind of off topic here a little bit to this, this, this uh, question Molly McCage now could meet with Molly McCage as a freshman coming into Texas. What advice would you give to that younger version of yourself? I love that question. 
Oh, gosh. I think my freshman self was a bundle of nerves and <laughs> wanted to be something that I wasn't truly. And um, gosh, uh, <laughs> what comes to mind is just I was anxious, excited and like so like doe eyed and ready to take on the world. But um, I think I would tell her to stick to like what truly matters and people will come. You'll figure it out. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I kind of was pushed around a bit and maybe I needed that. I needed to be toughened up. Um, but I think I had that fire in me, but it wasn't ready to come out yet. And I, I think that people respect that fire. Mm -hmm. I think my teammates needed that fire and I wasn't ready to give it to them because of nerves and lack of confidence, but that confidence you know, comes from just just staying true to yourself and being yourself. I, no one's going to knock you for that. And yeah, be authentic. You remind me of an athlete. I'm, I listen to a lot of uh, Audible books. And this guy, I don't know if you've ever heard, his name is Rich Roll. Hmm. He's this ultra athlete, marathons. And anyway, he I listened to one of his books uh, pretty recently. And he talked about how like, kind of what you were saying, like, every one of us kind of has a song that we need to sing and you got to find that song, you know, kind of to your point and you're really never truly satisfied or fulfilled till you find it. So it's kind of cool to hear you talk about that advice, kind of stick to what's true to you. Cause I know even like my college career has been many, many moons ago. Obviously I remember the, one of the darkest seasons of my time uh, when I played at Georgia was I kind of just lost my sense of identity, mm-hmm. kind of who I was wasn't happy, didn't enjoy the game, kind of forgotten kind of like what was important to me, to your point. And my dad, it took my dad reminding me, sending me this article that was written years prior and kind of, as I read that, and it was me talking about myself in the, in this article. And it reminded me of some key things about who I was as a, as a person, first and foremost, right? And then kind of how I played the game. And so that was such a pivotal moment for me as an athlete to remind me of like what's important to me and who I am Mm -hmm. and it kind of got me back on track so that's great advice Molly great advice yeah I yeah I had a wonderful class and a wonderful group of people surrounding me so it all it all ended up being great and groovy but um yeah I had I had a pretty strong group to lean on good stuff um kind of another topic I'd love to just get your perspective and advice on is Big, big hot spot in sports right now is mental health. And, you know, being, I'm, a, I'm obviously coaching now and, and definitely seeing it on the front lines. You're playing and working in an organization that's fighting and taking care of athletes. So you're an athlete now, and then you're also fighting for others. Uh, what trends are you seeing in sports in regards to mental health? What are you seeing going on? Yeah, like I touched on earlier, it has to be part of sports leagues. It has to be part of college teams. Um, we had a psychiatrist on staff, and that was wonderful. And But Athletes Unlimited, we were developing this mental um, health and wellness program, actually, that I, I, I'm in charge of as of a couple months ago. And um, what I'm looking for is someone, honestly, that understands and I've actually found that former athletes can help athletes. And that that connection Mm -hmm. piece that I touched on earlier is huge. And so um, what we do actually that I've found to be incredible, we 
So our season is really short. It's only six weeks. And so once a week, we have an optional. You can come if you want. It's one hour long. Mm. And um, we just talk about, we can pick a topic. So it could be women in sports. It could be motherhood. It can be um, uh, performance anxiety. It can be body image. Mm -hmm. And just the those conversations were incredibly powerful. I didn't know what to expect. And we just wanted to touch on things because it was right after 2020. And there were so many things in the world that people needed to talk about and people needed to air out. And so we wanted to provide that space. But what we found is that like the, those conversations helped these athletes perform mm -hmm. freely on the court. And um, it was special to see in volleyball, the groups that formed Um like I said, we we think we're in like a silo. Like we think we're really just kind of struggling on our own. And, you know, I'm the only one that has has the yips right now. Like, you know, I, yeah. I, I need to get through this on my own. And um, the power and connection, whether that's with a mental health professional, um, I think that those have a serious impact or therapy or it's with someone that's older than you within your sport. Um, there's so many, we have Olympians, we have women in their thirties playing with girls right out of college. And so what better person to help that athlete navigate than the person that's already been through it all. Connection, connection, connection is massive. I think it has to be a factor in mm -hmm. sports leagues. That's so good. I think just listening to you, you just as a coach, right? Or even you see as an athlete and in, in the job you're in too, People are fighting battles that you're not always, they're not going to be like open about that, right? We know a lot about Vulnerability Day through Brene Brown and how important that is, but I think it's a lot harder to open up and be trusting to people, right? It takes time. Um, I think the one piece that I've learned, I've seen with mental health is um, this ability to, you kind of spoke to it a, a minute ago, um, whatever you're going through that's hard whether it's on court, off court, right? And good mental health is your ability to take that story or narrative that's currently playing in your head and reframe that in a way that changes the story that makes you find a way to become better because of that. Um, I remember one of the books I read uh, by Sean Acor. It's called The Happiness Advantage. And it's all the current research on happiness today in, in the world really in the U.S. And they did this experiment. And in this experiment, they did, and I forget the parameters of it, but basically the scenario was, again, this was hypothetically, you walk into a bank, it's middle of the day, two o'clock, there's 50 people in the bank, a robber walks in, a bank robber shoots one bullet, it hits you, it's not mortal, it just it's, it's a flesh wound, and you're not going to die. Are you lucky or unlucky? And Molly, the the crazy thing was most of the people picked, they were unlucky. Mm. They didn't see that, oh, it could have killed more people or I could have died or, you know. And so he, the Sean talks about in the, in the book how we have this ability in our minds to create this counterfact of how you view things. And so I think a lot of mental health today is kind of kind of that right there. And so... What I like about what you said about mental health is that you're bringing in a community of people and you're having these discussions because in that discussion, I can guarantee you there's different narratives going on that kind of brings in, well, maybe I'm not crazy as I think I am, or maybe uh, that helps me. So I think 
with part of this mental health, it's going to have to be communal, right? There's going to be a community support and not be isolated because the, the worst mental health I've seen is when somebody gets injured in sport and they get isolated from their team. So guess what comes next? Usually depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, uh, social awkwardness, motivation, morale declines. And now we have, you know, other things can lead to eating disorders. But again, that communal piece, like you said, is a big piece of it. So I, I like what you had to say there. Yeah. Anything else to add to that? No, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah. The vulnerable piece is is absolutely part of it. And that's really, really hard for athletes. Um, but yeah, it's it can take you to really cool places. What do you think? Again, this is a little bit of mental health. Um, and I'm even starting to see this in mental health, is that they really haven't got into the mental health of coaches yet. But here's my thing, Molly, right? You you understand if a, if a coach isn't healthy mentally, He's not going to bring in a, a healthy uh, mental environment for the team. So what do you think? Have you seen, again, I don't want to put anybody on blast on the podcast here, but uh, how important is it for coaches to be healthy mentally to bring that into their team? Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, yeah, I've had a ton of coaches in my career, and I think coaches, like, that passion piece is obviously there. They're coaching for a reason, and and sometimes even athletes do this. They treat practice and or games like an escape, and I'll, I'll deal with life. And they have they have bigger usually bigger life stressors. Like they usually have a family, and you know, or they're living in a different country. And like those life stressors kind of get put on the back burner because mm-hmm. this job is very demanding. You're putting in all of the hours, and then if you're if you're just at practice and weights and scouting and whatever, and you're like, okay, like most of my day is done, then you spend the other you know, hours scouting or finding the best, you know, nutrition plan or something. There's always coaches. What I love about coaches is that they're always trying to find ways to be better. But at the same time, like I've seen it many, many times that that mental health, like care isn't there for the coaches. And so they're dealing with all these other things and putting it on the back burner and that builds up and festers. And I've, yeah, I've been on many teams where that has, you know, exploded and, and been really hard to manage because then the athletes feel like they're managing the coach. But absolutely, mental health needs to be provided to everybody within the organization. That's something actually we're talking about Athletes Unlimited now. Crisis management, you know, the staff is working double time. The best job I always say in sports is being the athlete. And that's probably why I'm still playing. But right. The staff, the support staff, you're making sure that these athletes feel like a million bucks. Are But do you get to feel like you feel like a million bucks? Like, you also need to be taken care of to show up and make sure that these athletes feel amazing. Yeah, I like that. I think, uh, speaking of coaches' mental health, um, you kind of got to start getting into what you just said, a little self-care. And I don't know that a lot of coaches prioritize their own health. You know, because there's so like you, there's so much pressure and demands and things pulling on them and things to manage and oversee. And there's always, you know, it's, it almost feels like you, I've seen in this in this business, you really can't enjoy a championship or a big win because you got to, okay, we got to gear up and we got to get the next win. It's like it's this the beast that's never got enough to eat. So uh, definitely, I, th- I think in the future you'll see the the athlete piece, mental health, continue to get better. But I think it's going to start to shed some light over into some of the coaches because they have a direct impact, influence into some of the mental health, especially your style of coaching, right? And how you kind of communicate those things and be bring awareness. Uh, last thing on mental health, how do you 
uh, manage your mental health. You have a ton of responsibilities. You're married. You travel. You're running. You help running an organization. Speak to that. What do you do for your mental health? Uh, again, I'm not perfect. Um, I do work with a therapist who's lovely. I lean on my husband a lot. Um, I'm going to say my dog has saved my life. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I I mean, really, though, you know, like morning walks are like so healthy for you. And, and he gives me love all the time. I, um, And there are periods where I'm not wonderful at it, but like leaning on my community and my friends and uh, that helps me. I, I think I took a lot from being an athlete of mm-hmm. like, I have to sleep. Like whatever's right. going on, like that email will answer. I'll answer it in a couple of days. And my coworkers, like, I need to stop thinking about, are they going to hate me if I don't answer this email real quick? No, I need to sleep. I need to take care of myself. I actually find myself, um, and I think this lends itself to the previous question of, Whenever I stopped playing, it was like, oh, I don't need to actually take care of myself that much because I right. don't need to perform. And so I I didn't eat well. I didn't sleep well. I didn't actually think that like, you know, stretching or like checking in with my teammates, which was my family or my coworkers was as important because I didn't have to perform for this goal. But that is false. Like we actually need to do that throughout our careers. And I slip up a couple of times, but um Thankfully, in the world of sports, I have people being like, no, 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 like for you to be your best and for them to be their best, like you need to show up for yourself and take care of yourself. That's good. Uh, I think, you know, um, to your point, like I love how you talked about sleep. I mean, the the research they've done on sleep today as far as like, you know, the lack of sleep is elevated cortisol levels. You Your stress is higher. Inflammation's higher. You have a greater degree or, excuse me, greater chance of like depression. Um, your diet is off a little bit for sure. And then it, it impacts your mood, right? One of the cool things I've studied over the last few years with in regards to recovery in sports has been they're measuring mood in athletes. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a subjective thing, right? Like what's your mood? Are you irritable? Are you are you kind of anxious? Are you at peace? Do you feel tranquil, Right. Are you in a good mood? You know, are you upbeat? Where's your morale? And like, you can start to see if an athlete consistently is in a bad mood, it kind of lends itself back to what you're saying. They're not sleeping enough. They're not eating good. uh, Probably don't have a great social life or something's going on behind the scenes privately that you're starting to see show up on the court. So, yeah, I think the, uh, I always say the hardest person to lead is yourself, right? And so if you can, if you can lead yourself well, get good sleep, eat good, and just kind of manage that piece, then you can kind of take on the day whatever challenges lie ahead a lot better. So that's good advice, Molly. Um, currently, you are the the manager of player care and coordination at Athletes Unlimited. Can you talk about what that role is and why you enjoy it? What's what what most you enjoy about it? Yeah, um, I love this role because I get to work with other athletes. So it's the manager of player care and coordination at Athletes Unlimited. We have four sports. We have volleyball. I play volleyball, but we also have lacrosse, softball, and basketball, all women's sports. And my job is mainly, I'm the staff member that communicates with the athletes the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that could be you know, broadcast needs this person to hop into chair chat during the game. I'm the person to get them. Or, you know, this outing that we're doing for, you know, athlete experience, like I'm the person coordinating the athletes. I'm also just like the coolest part of my job is that I just get to be around these other athletes and Mm -hmm. I get to hear what they, what they enjoy. I get to hear, you know, the pain points and I, I get to 
develop the communities. I get to connect people. I think that's one of my biggest passion pieces is connecting the sports. And um, yeah, it's I just finished up basketball before joining this volleyball tour. And it was I had never been about around women's basketball before. And just hearing their stories, you know, obviously maybe a little similar to volleyball, but also completely different. And I'd never been immersed in that world before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll work with softball and lacrosse this upcoming summer. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really cool role. I'm really happy that Athletes Unlimited has hired an athlete to do this role. Um, Because also, I think a piece of it, because I am also an athlete, Mm -hmm. you know, I can, I can connect on a deeper level with other athletes. Um, It's, it's been a dream role for me so far. How do you, uh, so again, part of this podcast, right, is you're working across different diverse teams, which means, you know, ethnicities, philosophies, temperaments, personalities, beliefs, um, raised in different homes, right, Uh, neighborhoods. Uh, What have you learned from working across multi-sport, multi-coaches and different philosophies? What have you learned the most uh, being in that role? I love that question, Donnie. Um, I've learned that, like, you can't come with any judgments, right, or preconceived notions to any sport. You really don't know people's struggles. You don't know anything. Like, I did not understand basketball. There's, There's so much trash talk going on. But that's like the game of basketball, right? Like, you're on the court. You're, like, super close to the refs, super close to the players. But there's that kind of respect that they all have for each other, right? And that, like, toughness that they have. In softball, it's more, like, laid back and chill. And I don't know if it's just being out in the sun. But, like, it can be intense. But, like, there's a different kind of community vibe to it. And um, I hadn't been, I haven't been around lacrosse yet, but um, yeah. So it's, it's picking up on what the general sport culture is, but then I don't know. What I've loved is that like teams are still full of completely different personalities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, at Athletes Unlimited, actually every week the teams change. And that's a really cool piece to see because who's going to be the leader this week? It it might be the captain, but like most of the time it's really not. And it's, it's that person that doesn't play or hasn't really been a voice in their sport before, but they're like, you know, I have this background knowledge and I can use this to my ability. Um, I don't know. I, I've really enjoyed taking kind of a back seat and working for the other sports because I, I try to be that leader in volleyball, you mm-hmm. know, but yeah. I've I've loved watching other women step into different uncomfortable roles, you know, in their diverse backgrounds um, within Athletes Unlimited. It's it's a it's a cool role for me. Another question. This is one of my favorite. Um, not on our notes today, listeners, but working across all those. Not that this would ever happen, Molly. But how do you manage and deal with difficult people? Oh, yeah. It never <laughs> happens. It never, ever ah, happens. Put you on the spot. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You do it, you do it with grace, by the way. I know you do, but uh, I'd love to hear, like, how do you? Because I just listened to that story of all these teams and sports. Yes, yes. Difficult people are, and, like, the emotions of the game, right? Like, you're in the middle of the season and you want to win. There's money on the line. Like, you're bound to have some difficult people. Um, 
So I always try to tackle it through an empathy piece, right? Like, hey, right. I've been there. Like, I get it. I also have had all of these emotions, you know, where you choose to express them, I think you need to be more careful with or something along those lines. And um, hey, like, why are we here? What, what are we trying to do? I think uh, everybody at a professional level understands why they're there. Like, especially Athletes Unlimited, there's other things like, you know, we're growing women's sports, like there's such a passion piece to it. Um, but you want to win, like you're right. a competitor, like that happens. Um, and and we have a different piece. The players recruit the players, right? So there's going to be something there. The players also choose their teams each week. There's going to be something there of like, she didn't pick me, you know? And I think if you can still, I always try to come at it like, hey, like one, it's just one week or or like, hey, this will only, it's so cheesy, but th this will only make you stronger if you're dealing with all these I difficult know, right? people and, and you're going to run into this in your corporate life if you choose that path. Like managing diff difficult people, hiring people that are good people that you want. It's, I, I am not going to say I'm perfect with it, but what I always try to do is say, yeah, hey, I've been there. I get it. I'm right there with you. But there's a certain level of professionalism that we got to have. Yeah, that is such uh, just solid advice. I read a book recently. The book is just outstanding. It's called Think Again by Adam Grant. He's a professor out of Wheaton College on leadership. And anyway, you, you, the empathy piece you, piece you talked about, I think that's critical when dealing with difficult people. And this is what he talked about in the book. There's a chapter in there. And I think it's called like the vaccine whisperer or something. And this is nothing to do with necessarily COVID and all that. It was a story of a mom that had a young girl and was needed to get some vaccine for, again, it wasn't COVID. It was something else. I can't remember the vaccine. And she just was so terrified uh, and just would not get it. And they, the hospitals knew if she'd get this, it would, her kid had a condition. This would probably not only save the young girl's life, but like give her a longer life. And so nobody could get her to do it. They tried to throw stats at her and make her feel guilty as a mom. And anyway, they did all this. So they hired this guy that, that was, he's, I forget his name. He's the vaccine whisperer. And they brought him in. He spent time with her. Sure enough, after he spent, I think, several hours, a couple hours with her, she ended up getting the vaccine. And they did a post interview with her of like, what did he do that changed your mind? And it was simple. When he started asking about how she felt as a mom about her her daughter, that changed her perspective on if mm. she should get this or not. All because he was empathetic mm -hmm. and he didn't beat her, right? He says what in the book that we can be three things sometimes. I can't remember all of them, but you can be a politician, right? You can come at people like and just politic them, right? Um, you can be a preacher, Right. And and you can come at him, you just give him all the, the lessons and, and all that of like why or you can prosecute people. Mm. Right. So you can be a politician, you can be a preacher or a prosecutor. You can just make them feel horrible. And like we don't respond well to those three things, right? But this guy came at it from a place of empathy and try to understand what was going on in her life. And when he she felt that love and care, it changed her perspective on why it was important for her to get this for her daughter and she ended up getting it. I love that. And I think, you know, again, one of my favorite quotes, uh, John Maxwell is, uh, love his stuff. And it's simple. It's kind of what you just said. Seek first to understand, then 
to be understood. Hmm. And so, man, if as, as leaders, obviously you are, like, if you can just come into that without judgment and like, let me try to understand, and then you formulate your conversation with them and move forward. And then once they feel understood, then there's common ground there. You can kind of link up and maybe move forward. So doesn't mean you always get what you want, but at least it makes it a better situation. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, a couple more questions here. We're getting close to our time, but I want to talk a little marketing and branding um, on social media. How important is that uh, for athletes today and coaches? And can they leverage it for good? Speak to that. Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with social media and marketing. <laughs> it's it's uh, such a big part of our world. This meta world and reality are like blending now, and it's weird and strange. And how you show up online, people that's that's your face to the world, and that might be different than who you are. I think my biggest piece of, of advice is to make sure that they connect your real self. You don't have to post anything personal, but like still stick to your values about who you are. And um, if your if your goal is to, I'm speaking to athletes here. If your goal is to partner with agents or brands, like stick true to your yourself. Um, my advice is maybe to find five buckets of of things that you are passionate about. And stick to that. Like, write about that. Like, people can hear your authentic voice when you're writing those captions. Or even if you're making a video, honestly, the the reels or the TikToks that have done well are just, like, me on my phone being myself. Like, and then brands and people and communities are like, oh, this is what she's about. Mm-hmm. And and whoever's not isn't relevant. Like, there, I don't know. I think that even within Athletes Unlimited, we have this player network program and brands are really out there just being like, it's it's factual. Like who's a mom, you know, or who's interested in hiking or sustainability and, or, you know, who plays basketball? And then we pull from the, those people that are, and if you don't show that, you know, you're interested in sustainability, you're not going to be partnered with brands that are interested in sustainability or or mental health or things like that. And um, it it is all consuming i feel that sometimes as well um but if you can separate the two i almost feel like i treat my my social media as kind of like it's all kind of linkedin now yeah we we say that linkedin is like our professional for or uh right. platform but like people are on your facebook and instagram and tiktok too like it's all linked or it's all linked together um yeah and if you Obviously, that professional piece, athletes, please stick to that. Um, but then, yeah, stick into your core values and those five buckets that you're passionate about. Yeah, I like it. I think, you know, I remember having a conversation with a coach several years ago, and he would, there's a lot of coaches out there. I say a lot. There's some I know that are just kind of anti, you know, social media. And I, and I definitely, I feel them and hear that at, to a point. But today, like, people are going to Google you. I mean, they're going to pull up your name and go like, kind of, what's on that first or second page? That pop, that's kind of who you are, right? To your point, and mm-hmm. uh, I call it like it's your digital handshake. And mm. I mean, I think part of even like this podcast was created so that we could create a portfolio for different professionals in this world of performance and sport that it's going to live on the internet probably forever for a long time at least, right? And so I think it's a platform that you know, to your point can be very powerful, but like, what have you seen pitfalls of social media? What have you seen? Um, I've seen 
obviously the the devil of comparison, right? Everybody's posting it's their resume now. And so they're posting things that this is this is my highlight reel. This is who I am all the time, right? And so that devil of comparison pops up and that's something, and it's like, it's designed to be addicting. Facebook yeah. and TikTok and Instagram, like they want you to stay on the app for hours. They want you to actually have it be a reflex. When you open up your phone, like first thing you do, Instagram. It's designed that way and all of us are tricked. And so if you right. can be mindful and knowing the awareness of like, hey, this is everybody's highlight reel. Is this actually this person? Maybe, but most of the time, it's not healthy to compare yourself to others in real life or on Instagram or TikTok. That's the part that I hate about it. And it's your face to everybody. So you need to keep it updated, right? And that pressure is sometimes, I even feel the weird pressure of thinking of like the best caption ever. And and I'll sit on it for hours, like in right. wasting my time. I'm, I'm, I'm wasting my time doing this. No one cares. It's not even going to resonate with anybody really. And so I think... I need to get off of it. I need to stop. You know, you can now check to see who's looking at your posts. I don't think that's healthy either. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like mentally seeking validation through a social media app. And that's not going to give me validation, like real, true, concrete validation. But I think that that's a major pitfall with social media that I can kind of fall into sometimes. Yeah. You, you made me think the other day we're sitting at the dinner table at home and one of my daughters brought up that somebody then followed them, and I was like, "What? <laughs> like, does that even matter? Somebody like, don't follow me then. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you don't need them, probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I, you could probably follow me back with a click too, if you. Anyway, <laughs> it's good. Uh, good advice. Um, what do you see yourself doing next three to five years? I got a, I got a thought on this, but I want to hear you first. Go ahead. Ah, also a good question. I've bounced around a lot in the past three to five years. So um, I'm really happy where I'm at right now. I, I really enjoy growing women's sports and Athletes Unlimited gives me that and fuels me daily. Um, I could see myself, I actually enjoy the operations piece of sports. I um, had a big role in planning even this volleyball tour and I kind of enjoy like the, the planning piece, the athlete experience piece. And um, so I could kind of maybe see sports operations um, for a sports league, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, in athletics. Um, I actually, like, I've always said I'm not going to be a coach. And this past summer, it, there was, you know, some job openings. And I was like, hmm, maybe. I don't know if I'm ready for it now, but I'm not going to rule it out anymore in my life. Right. You know, we'll, we'll see down the line. You kind of just can talking to you today, looking at your career, where you're, where you're at now, kind of your experiences. I've read this very interesting book recently called How to Win at Work. And it's a very up-to-date, I forget the author's name. I can put it in the show notes uh, later on. But it had an interesting kind of take on the work world today, right? 20, 30 years ago, it was a career ladder, right? That was that metaphor. Like you just went from one rung to the next, you start at the bottom and work your way up. That was kind of the the old landscape. Today's current landscape is what you're doing. And he draws a picture and it's a career lattice. Hmm. And so what you end up doing is you end up working for different organizations in different roles and you build experience with different titles and responsibilities. And at some point you end up getting this huge role because people are looking for that broad range and diverse experience in different areas of their job. Because when you come on to 
whatever it is, if you're leading an organization, you need those that broad range of experience. The other way I've heard it say too, Molly, is like this. If you want to move up in any organization, and this is the challenge, right? In our profession, you're a specialist, right? You you know a lot mm-hmm. about one subject. It's very deep, but very narrow. Mm-hmm. The higher you move up, you become a generalist. You know a little bit about a lot of different topics. And I remember hearing that the president at the University of Maryland gave a speech. And I was uh, in the, that night, he gave a keynote years ago. And he said that, and I'll never forget that. And I kind of see that happening in you. So I've got a prediction. I don't know if it's a prediction, but Let's hear you're going to run some organization one day. You're going to be the leader, the CEO, the boss, just because you're building all these. I mean, I can just see this kind of portfolio of if you go and look at your LinkedIn profile and just, I could see at some point, not saying anytime, maybe soon, but down the road, I don't know what that role is going to be, but I will not be shocked when you accept that role and step into it. Maybe something for women's sports. I don't know. We'll see. So that's my prediction. I appreciate that, Donnie. Yeah. And and from someone like yourself, who has also been, I think, what what is the phrase? The jack of all trades, master of no, I don't think that that's true for you. I think you're a master of a lot of different yeah, trades. I appreciate it. Yeah. I uh, get to work with awesome uh, people like you, so that, that helps. Yeah. Fun questions here and we'll be done. Yeah. If you could play a role in the Harry Potter movie, what role? You have to pick one now. Who do you play and why do you play that role? Minerva McGonagall, played by Maggie Smith, because, I mean, one, Maggie Smith is amazing, but Minerva's role is uh, she's like the matriarch of Hogwarts. She's so wise, and I hope that I can be that person. See, there it is. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Right, right. Maybe it's the present. Yeah, sure. She, yeah, she just takes care of everybody in such a good way, and I want to be Minerva. (laughs) I love it. I love it. There we are, folks. She's uh, your next career when they start the Harry Potter movies over again. You're ready to go, Molly. Uh, last question, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. You're in Austin, Texas. You can you don't have to—I'm not going to pigeonhole you here. Favorite food, place to eat, or type of food? You can go two or three choices on this, but God, give me your number one, and then from there. Yeah, so it's actually weird now because I'm vegetarian. Oh, yeah. do tell. Yes, I yeah, like this. Yeah, and um, in college, like, of course, Austin and barbecue. And my dad, like, he grills every Sunday. And so I'm actually, when I get to Austin, you know, in the airport, it, like, smells like brisket because of the Salt Lake stand. And you're like, oh, I want that. So I think if I weren't vegetarian, I'd do something like Black's Barbecue. Awesome. Yeah. Um, She's not getting paid for that, by the way. No, so. no, no, no. Just love your stuff. <laughs> What I did whenever I landed Sunday, I went straight to Torchies and got their queso. There's nothing like that queso. You can't find it anywhere. That's got like liquid crack in it or something. (laughs) I agree. We got one near the house. I can't help it. So yeah, uh, good stuff. Well, awesome. Molly, this has been a treat for me, and I know it's going to be a treat for our audience. Thank you for your time, and thank you for coming to Austin. It was great to have you back in Gregory Gym. I know the fans love it. I know the staff and the team. Yeah. enjoyed seeing you again. So thank you so much. And hey, you have an awesome rest of 2023. So thank you. Thank you, Donnie. Love right. being on this. We'll see you next time on the Team Behind the Team. I'm Donnie Mabe. This is Molly McCage. Hook em horns. Hook em. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. 
So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.